This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome to Discussions at the Roundtable. I'm your host, Noah Balmer, and today I'm excited to welcome our guest, Paul Sibonek, to the show. Mr. Sibonek is the CEO of Crypto Forensics Investigators, a blockchain forensic accounting firm. Now, he's an experienced expert in areas ranging from investment fraud to ransomware, with about five years of experience in expert witnessing. Mr. Sibonek, thank you so much for joining me here today at the Roundtable. Thanks for having me, Noah. Absolutely. Let's jump into it. You've made a career of forensic auditing in the blockchain segment. How did you get started and when did you first become an expert witness? Uh, I first got started in 2018. Initially, I started doing it as a as a consulting related side gig, specifically in divorce related uh, matters, um, just because uh, attorneys in those types of cases, you know, didn't really have any idea um you know what what to do nor did their 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 clients and it kind of seemed to me to be very one-sided and cryptocurrency being uh a very possible way that one could go about concealing assets in a in a divorce and that has since kind of blown up to a large degree let's talk about your vetting calls when you get a call from an attorney who wants to bring you on for a possible engagement what are the sorts of questions that they ask and what are the sorts of questions that you ask them to make sure that you're appropriate for an engagement yeah so i i try to get an understanding of the situation because um there are so many different types of perspective inquiries that i that I would field from, you know, some sort of hack to maybe it's some type of romance scam. It could be talking about a business dispute. It could be or exploit of a network could be related to compliance. So there's just so many different types of, uh, of matters. I try to get a good understanding of the situation first and then assess, you know, you know how I might be able to help, or if I if I can help in in that in that regard, and what what really needs to be done, and then try to understand you know how much work would need to be done. How about in terms of you kind of vetting the attorney who's calling you? What are the sorts of things that you're listening for to to help you understand whether or not this is going to be a good engagement? You know, making sure that they have reasonable expectations and understanding what what can be done and what you know cannot be done or what is not realistic is 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 important. And that goes for all clients. Uh, you know, not 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 just attorneys. You know, sometimes attorneys they come to you with a, a conclusion that they kind of already want you to. Uh, attest to and they they just want you to put your signature on it and it, it's important to me that you know I come to my conclusions independently so they can certainly ask if they happen to already know uh they're, they're at a stage where they're trying to just seek evidence or confirmation of what they are trying to put forward that's fine but if they're trying to pigeonhole me into the narrative that they're trying to put forward well that's um that can be an issue 
Do you have to turn down a significant number of engagements? I would say there's not too many I would need to turn down. There's some where perhaps it's not always um, suitable. Whereby you know there's there's maybe not a lot that can be gained by 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 further pursuing the matter, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot that I need to turn down for conflict of interest reasons. Usually, if people come to me seeking you know cryptocurrency expertise and a you know cryptocurrency related related dispute, usually it's something that I can assist with. Crypto and blockchain is a rapidly developing, rapidly changing. Uh, you know, milieu, there is a legal framework that is changing and it's different to base, based on where you are in the world or even what state you're in. How do you stay on top of it? What does it mean for you to remain an expert in your field? It's important to always stay up to date with with what is happening. You know, in my case, you know, some of the things that I need to stay up to date with are, you know, how bad actors are, uh, you know, um, stealing money, how they are attempting to launder money, um, you know, what the relevant exchanges are, what are the pressing issues in in today's news, you know, for example, enforcement action of cryptocurrency exchanges, you know, very important for me to, to stay on top of that. Doing non-expert work uh, is, is actually important to be able to stay on top of the expert works. If I just do expert work all the time, you don't get that same level of exposure. When you are in a deposition or even on a stand, what are the sorts of things that the opposing counsel tries to do to impeach your knowledge, your experience, your background as an expert in in your area? And what do you do to counter those sorts of things? Sometimes they will say that I'm only an expert at tracing cryptocurrency and not uh, an expert in other areas, uh, for example, let, let's say you're talking about email security. Well, you know, email security can be important in the context of a cryptocurrency theft, and in some cases, uh, it, you know, it can play a role in leading to that. You know, they'll they'll try to narrow uh, the area of my expertise to being specifically about cryptocurrency tracing. Sometimes they'll say, "Oh, you don't have a four-year degree," and cryptocurrency tracing which uh, doesn't does that doesn't exist really, yeah I, I don't i don't think it exists you know and if it did you know maybe someone like like me or a similar skill set would 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 be teaching that but uh certainly when i started it it certainly did not exist and things are changing so fast anyways that by the time you finish the course things would have changed in terms of uh you know the services and the entities that are being used it's just not practical to have that type of of, of education and stay on top of things have you worked on both the pl- uh, plaintiff and defendant side yes are there significant differences in the job itself or how you approach um, being an expert witness for the plaintiff versus the defendant, or is it largely the same? I, I think it's mostly the same. Sometimes you're just called in at different times. You know, when if you're acting for the defense, you know, in most cases, uh, or acting as an expert for the, for the defense, in a lot of cases, there might already be a complaint or you might understand that. Whereas in some cases with, with the plaintiff, I might be engaged even before there is such a filing and they're still trying to figure out, hey, is there enough evidence or reason to believe to to support a complaint being filed in the first place? The underlying approach is 
it's the same, I think. Uh, besides plaintiff and defendant, there's also a couple types of expert witnesses. Uh, you, can, you can be a consulting witness where you're not going to testify. Then, of course, there's testifying witnesses. Sometimes one even becomes the other. Is that something that you've experienced? Have you ever been brought on as a consulting witness and then been asked to testify? I don't necessarily assume it's going to get to the stage where I testify. And the vast majority of expert engagements that I take on, I don't, it doesn't get to the point where I testify uh, because, uh, you know, the, the matter concludes or settles earlier on before you actually get, and that's, you know, if you have a, have an expert that is giving you insight, it can help both, both sides in some cases uh, understand the facts a bit better and, and, and resolve it before you get to that stage where you're actually being asked to testify. Only a minority of cases uh, that I take on do I actually testify in. Experts can be brought in at a variety of times, as you started to indicate earlier. Um, you never know, uh, you know when you might get a call for a case that's already in progress or well in progress or just at the very beginnings. Do you typically feel that you have sufficient time to do your job as an expert witness, or you sometimes find yourself in a position where you're really under the gun and in a rush to produce a report? I don't usually feel under the gun. Usually I have sufficient time and time's not really an issue. You know, the work that I can do is relatively fast. What is not as fast is, you know, if you're having to ask for discovery in some cases and going through the the processes of getting that and then getting it back, there might be some technical issues with what is produced. The, the legal bureaucracy takes longer than any type of work product that I would uh, take to produce. Let's talk about your work product a little bit. Do you have a specific strategy that you use when you're writing reports? Do you like to outline things or index them? Or do you have some other strategy that you like to employ to get yourself organized? You know, I, I try to, you know, obviously have all my research done um, and analysis done first. And then I just try to generally think about how the report should be structured to make it easy to understand just because, you know, the nature of of uh, my of my line of work is that it's very, very technical and uh, you have to explain things in an easy to understand way, whether it's you're talking about a cryptocurrency wallet or a transaction hash, you know, because the judge and, you know, sometimes the attorneys involved in the case, they won't have a really good understanding of what that is. So try to make it simple and keep it structured in a way that flows and makes sense. Obviously, crypto really is a newer thing. Do you find yourself in situations typically where your own attorney doesn't uh, you know, have a grasp of that and you really do have to get into some of the technicalities and make sure that they understand something that the case pivots on? Yeah. Judge will almost never have a, a good understanding of that type of stuff. Um, the attorneys... It, it can differ. Sometimes you have attorneys who understand, you know, the 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 basics. Sometimes they understand, you know, very very little. Obviously, they've they've hired an expert for for a reason. You do want to provide some evidence showing how you came to your opinion, but you also need to uh, conclude it and summarize it in an easy to understand way, and use appropriate analogies so that someone who is reading that, who is a layperson, doesn't necessarily need to take the time to fully understand what you what you have said because the reality is when you're drafting an expert report not everyone reads the whole thing they look at the introduction and the conclusion and not necessarily everything in between 
Do you have any specific uh, preparation methods that you use or that you do with your attorney, for example, mock cross-examinations or anything like that? And if so, are they helpful? Sometimes, uh, yeah, the, the attorneys will uh, want to do a, a cross-examination or a, a mock cross. It kind of depends on the, on the situation. I'm pretty comfortable with with cross-examinations and directs now. So it's not something I usually need to do, but it can be can be helpful just to understand how the situation might unfold. You say that you're pretty comfortable with them now. Is there, you know, was there a point that it became easier and easier or is this something that you've always just been kind of good at? Do you have any strategies to kind of remain calm under when you're getting uh, uh, peppered with lots and lots of questions? Uh, no, uh, like I, I've never had really any issues with it. Um, you know, so yeah. So sometimes attorneys like to kind of ask you the same question ten different times in slightly different ways, and and see if you give a different answer. But uh, yeah, I, I've never really had any issues with that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Before we wrap up, do you have any tips or advice for newer expert witnesses or attorneys working with experts? Try to educate yourself. It's a continual learning curve. And it's something you need to, you know, if you're involved in cryptocurrency, it's an ever-evolving space. So just, yeah, try to keep up to date with what is going on and stay active. And that can help you a bit. Thank you so much, Mr. Sibnick, for joining me here today at the Roundtable. Thank you. And thank you to our audience for joining me for another discussion at the Roundtable. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Discussions at Roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps. 